Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Welcome to Heme Consults. I'm your host, Toyasi Anwemena, hematologist, physician scientist, and educator. <laughs> we are continuing in a three-part series called Life, Death, and Resurrection. And today is part two. We're talking about death and hematology. You're going to want to listen to this story. <laughs> but before I start, I want to just share with you some encouragement and I want to say, oh, woman of color in hematology, a friend is someone who cares for you and accepts you just the way you are. Many times in your career, in your work as a hematologist, in whatever way, shape, or form that takes, you're wondering, is this person a friend or not? And so I want to just reiterate the definition of friend as a person who cares about you regardless of who you are or what you've done, someone who sees inherently the gift that you are without asking you to change, to become that gift, or without asking you to be someone different. A friend is someone who loves at all times, someone who shares challenges and joys with you. And this is important because sometimes you're asking yourself at work, is this my friend? <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time. A friend is someone who cares about you no matter what you've done, no matter how qualified you are. And so if for whatever reason there is a person who asks you to become someone else before they can be your friend or before they can be your mentor or before they can be your sponsor, if you would just behave this way, then I can do X. You're not your friend. <laughs> they could be your colleague. They could be your mentor. They could be your boss. They could be your supervisor, but they are not your friend. And this is an important distinction because sometimes you're looking for someone to be your friend who's showing you no characteristics of friendliness. And you're trying to convince yourself that this person must be my friend because she's my mentor. This person must be my friend because they're my chief. This person must be my friend because they're my department chair. <laughs> and I would go back again to thinking about who is a real friend, who's a true friend, and recognizing that it's okay to separate out friendship from the work relationships that you have. It's okay to acknowledge that maybe your mentor isn't your friend. Maybe your division chief isn't your friend. Maybe your department chair isn't your friend. It's okay. And it's also okay to mourn that loss 
of recognizing that perhaps there isn't the kind of friendship that you hoped existed between you and your mentor for one, or maybe between you and another colleague, it's okay to mourn that loss because it is a sad thing. You would hope that the people you work with care about you, care about your scholarship, care about you as a person. And when they don't, it hurts. But I just want to encourage you to say, you know what? You've got friends in many spaces. Number one, you've got a friend here. I know I don't know you and we haven't met yet, but I'm your friend. Because I care about you. And I believe in you, even though you've done nothing yet. I am your friend. And so I just want to encourage you that you have friends in many spaces. You have friends in many spaces. I smile because some of you are going to reach out to me. And if I don't respond, you'll say, oh, there it is. I knew she wasn't my friend. (laughs) I'll let you be the judge of my friendship or not. But I do want you to recognize that you have friends in so many spaces. And I don't want you to limit yourself just to the friends at work. Because your world is so big. Do you remember what you were doing before you went to medical school? You were a full-grown adult. I don't know how many of you are Doogie Housers out there. For those of you who still remember who Doogie Hauser was. But very few people were children who entered into medical school. Most of you were full-grown adults with your own full life, with friends. Before you became a resident, you had a life. Before you did this fellowship thing, you had other things that you did. And so I'm just saying that it's okay if the friends that you have are not necessarily the people you work with. It's okay. And I would just say, expand. I like to say this, expand the spaces where you have people who are friends with you and support you. And to be honest, there are so many friends for you in hematology. I found friends at the Pride program. I found friends in other spaces. I don't have to go through all of them, but they're friends everywhere who just accept you. They don't even know the work you do. They didn't even ask you. They're just like, you're cool. And so I just want to encourage you that not only do you have friends, you are a friend. And that may be the most important piece. You are a friend. You're a friend to so many. You're a friend to patients. You're a friend to your staff. You're a friend to your colleagues. And so even if they won't friend you back, even if they won't be your friend, your friend. And that may be more important. All right. Let's now go to this episode. (laughs) We're talking about death in hematology. The story I want to share is a story of betrayal from my perspective. You know, you can only share the story from your perspective. But I worked in this environment and I, I thought I'd found a friend in whom I confided a lot of things. And it was a stressful time. It was a real stressful time in this particular space at work. And we called each other a lot. And and I would call and I would say, can you believe this happened? And this person would encourage me and, you know, talk about, okay, let's do things differently. Let's do things this way. So it really felt as if we had a connection in some way. At least I felt safe enough to call and share some of the concerns I was having. So when I was in a particularly difficult, challenging spot, I shared it with her. Not knowing that in the background, she was feeding my story to a supervisor at work. Here I would call about challenges and concerns and and she would encourage me and say, hey, you're doing a great job. You're doing your best. 
And she would turn around and go to a supervisor and say, wow, she's just, I'm not sure what's going on with her. <laughs> I found this out later. In some of it, I, I don't know the whole story. So again, I have to tell you that I can only share a story from my perspective. But what I do know is that I once sent an email just to explain something to one of the staff members that we both worked with. And there was just the sense that I thought that we had a camaraderie and that I could share. And I did. I shared something that I think was personal, but you know, this is a staff member. And so this person that I considered a friend encouraged the staff member that I sent this email to, to escalate my email to, <laughs> to her supervisor, who then escalated to the supervisor afterwards, who then escalated to the supervisor after her until it made it all the way to physician leadership at my hospital. Yep. And so I get the call. I get the call about why I'm sending this particular email and the things I said in it, which I have to tell you were not necessarily of her. They weren't necessarily like secret, but they also... <laughs> If I was going to send send an email to the physician leader of my hospital, I, I might have sent it differently. But this particular person I considered a friend was the one who, who asked the staff member to do that. I don't know. Maybe she didn't know what the implications were. Maybe. But I do know what happened. And I remember thinking, something must be wrong if I send an email to someone that I consider a coworker that ends up ends up in hospital leadership's hands. Something must be something must be wrong. And so I say, hey, can we talk? Because I I thought we had, I thought I thought we had a connection. I thought we were okay. And can we talk about what's not okay? And both parties, both the person to whom I sent the email and the person who asked that the email be escalated, didn't want to have anything to do with me. They didn't want to have the conversation for whatever reason, I don't know. And I would tell you that I was heartbroken. I wasn't heartbroken, I was just broken. You know, like, you know, they tell you that your heart breaks. It's like all of me was broken. I can say that now and not cry, but I was broken. I really was actually. And it took me a long time to heal from that betrayal, which I felt was a betrayal. Maybe you have a different way that you can interpret it. Because I think I thought that, hey, if we're friends or even just colleagues and you had a concern about something that I told you, I would hope that I would hear about it first and not hear about it in the form of disciplinary action. And what the, I can't even share with you what the action was. You know, when next we meet in person, I can share a little bit more. If this is a story that resonates with you and you want to hear more about it, I think the point that I want to share, a couple of points here, are that, wow, betrayal happens, and it's real, and it hurts. It doesn't just hurt. It hurts like crazy. It hurts like you're never going to recover from it. I can't even go into all the details of all the things I shared with this person, thinking her to be safe. Thinking her to be a friend, thinking her to, yeah. 
thinking are to be safe. <laughs> I'm going to just stop there. Because if I had known that she wasn't safe, I wouldn't have shared all those things, right? I would have kept a lot of things to myself. But I share them because I thought she was safe. And to be honest, she came across as a safe person to me, holding all my communication and conversation and confidence. And so when I found out about this betrayal, I was broken. I was broken. It took me a long time to recover. It did. It did. I spent a long time healing from this space of betrayal. Because there are many consequences that came to me from, from what actions she took. And um, so I think I just want to share that, you know what? Betrayal happens and it happens at work. It happens in life and it happens in hematology. I think that's the first lesson is just recognizing that betrayal can happen in kind of the spaces that you least expect. Number two is that it is okay to grieve the loss, grieve the betrayal that happened, because you know what? The pain is real. I spent a lot of time walking in my neighborhood after that time, just, you know, just a lot of time just walking and meditating and praying and thinking and reflecting. I just, I just did a lot of that because I just needed to heal. Like I was broken. I tell you, it wasn't just my heart that was broken. I was broken because it kind of changed my experience of my workplace and what spaces were really safe for me or not safe. And I had a friend, I had friends actually in my accountability group also every week we would just talk through it. We would talk through it. They would encourage me and I would just talk through it with them as things unfolded. And that was a need for healing. And so I think number two is that, you know, it's okay to mourn your loss. It's okay to, it's okay to experience the brokenness. It's okay to experience the pain and the suffering and the shame that come out of that space. And I think maybe lesson number three for me was that there is need for healing. So one, recognize that betrayal happens. Two, accept, just experience the brokenness. And then number three, recognize that there's a need for healing. And what did the healing look like for me? The healing for me looked like not being in that space where the betrayal happened. I, I left the space. I initially left temporarily and then I left permanently to move away to let the healing happen. So I didn't just move away, right? I also entered into a space of healing and doing things that just recovered me and reminded me that I am worthy. <laughs> I am worthy. I am worthy of respect. I'm worthy of honor. I'm worthy of Having friends that are real friends, right? Not friends that betray me and tear me down. So there's a lot of healing that took place. And it took time. The healing took time. And I can tell the story now, though I'm somewhat subdued, if you notice. Because remembering it still kind of brings back some, just, just a sense of like, wow. <laughs> Who knew? And that kind of thing could happen. Yeah. So... Recognize that betrayal can happen at work. And there's some people who would say that, oh, you should have just known. You should have known that this person wasn't safe in the beginning. But you know what? Sometimes you don't know. Or maybe sometimes you know and you still share anyway. 
because maybe there's nobody else in that space who understands. I don't know. I think what I'm saying is it doesn't even matter how you came to betrayal. And anybody who's trying to tell you it's your fault is not your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had had one senior mentor that I reached out to who immediately actually started to berate me. He's like, you thought you had friends in that space? No, that wasn't helpful. That wasn't useful. What was useful were the people who said, wow, you've been hurt. And you know, I want to shout out to a woman named Irina. It was very helpful to me in that space. I didn't even know Irina then. I had just met her maybe once or twice, not too many times. And, she, and I was just going through in that moment. And, and actually, this was after the fact. I talked to her about it because we were kind of just, I stopped. To, in that moment, there were a lot of things I let go of. I just couldn't continue. It was just, I was really broken. And But when we reconnected, Irina told me, she said, let's just pause and reflect on the fact that hurt happened here. And so I think I want to speak to the person who may be experiencing betrayal right now. Maybe you've experienced betrayal in the past and people are like, yeah, let go. Just don't worry about it. Or they're like, oh, it's all for the best. But the reality is that pain, pain happened and the pain is real. And maybe the pain is still real for you. And I just want to encourage you that, you know, betrayal does happen and it's okay to experience the hurt, to let it wash over you because experiencing the fullness of the hurt allows healing to start to take hold, allows you to start to recover again, allows the nerve endings to become sensitive again, allows the skin to regrow over where the burn happened. And yes, there are scars that remain, but the healing will be thorough and complete and I want to encourage you to do the work of healing. Don't let those sores fester. Don't let, don't let the wounds continue, continue to break open. Don't pick at the wounds. Let them heal. Recognize that betrayal happens. Experience the pain of betrayal as a natural thing. It's okay to grieve the loss. It's okay to mourn the betrayal. It's okay to, to recognize the feelings that you're having. And then enter into the space of healing. Be intentional about it. Exit the space where brokenness and betrayal happened and seek out the space of healing. All the people who encourage you, seek them out and just receive the healing that you need. And if your healing is not yet complete, please don't stop working at it until you are totally healed. Some of that healing for me came from actually the space of my executive coach, who's also a psychologist in real life. And so I didn't necessarily go to a therapist, but a therapist may be the space for some of you. For me, my executive coach kind of helped me because she actually also functions as a, as a therapist. And I can't say we had therapy sessions, <laughs> but I definitely had some therapeutic, therapeutic conversations with her and also with my peer peer mentoring group as well, and clearly with my friends and my family or outside of medicine. There's a lot of healing. I, I would say that with, with full confidence that I'm healed, I um, can see these people who hurt me now without any twinge of pain anymore. I, I'm still not their friends. I just, you know, we, we don't hang out. We still don't hang out. <laughs> but there's been a lot of healing. And so I just want to encourage you 
death in hematology is real. Sometimes it's the death of a project. It's the death of a relationship. You had a great mentor and something went wrong. And now a person won't even talk to you anymore. And there's a lot of death in hematology. It's certainly the death of our patients, which hurt, which hurt in a really, really deep space. There's a lot of death in hematology. And I just want to say, hey, it does happen. Experience the pain and then seek the healing. All right, we've come to the end of the episode. And I just want to encourage you as you go on in this week, I encourage you to recognize who your friends are. Recognize that you're worthy and deserving of good friends who affirm you for who you are, not for what you've done, who don't go behind your back, stabbing you in the back. And you may not know until it's done, until it's out in the open. But once you know, and just recognize that, hey, they're not your friends and be okay with that. People can be your work colleagues without being your friends. It's okay. You go find those friends you had before you started this whole process. Go find friends in hematology who affirm you. I told you we're here. Definitely, definitely don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. Don't enter into your space of healing alone. Whatever you need to do to recover, you do that. We're here for you and we're rooting for you. All right. Enjoy your week. Have a wonderful week. Remember that you are awesome, phenomenal, amazing. Go out and make this week count. (laughs) I'll see you next time. Take care.